Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards at St. Louis Sports on 101 ESPN. There they go, and the 3-2 hit high in the air, deep left field, and it is going to leave the ballpark over the train tracks and into the night. He made one mistake too many, hung a breaking ball right over the middle of the plate, and Jorge Soler destroyed it, and it is nothing Atlanta. 2-2, and a fastball hit to left field, hit well, and it is gone. Dansby Swanson takes Christian Javier deep again. For the second time in the series, it is now 5-0 Atlanta. And a very memorable playoff run with everything they've overcome. The 0-2, a swing and a bouncer to short. Swanson has it, the throw across to Freeman, and that'll do it. The Atlanta Braves defeat the Houston Astros 7-0 and they win the World Series in six games. Dan Schulman with the call last night right here on 101 ESPN and baseball is officially done for 2021. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show on a Wednesday. That's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. So the Braves win the World Series 7-0 the shutout in game six. Terrific pitching. Uh, timely hitting by guys that they acquired uh, near the deadline, and it was uh, all Atlanta as they take the series four games to two, the Braves' first title since 1995. Lots to get into, and we hope to visit with Chip Carey coming up this morning. We'll see how he's feeling after uh, a celebration in Atlanta, I'm sure. But uh, BK, entertaining season, obviously, with the Cardinals going up and down. I thought the playoffs are great. Uh, what the Braves did at the trade deadline sends them over the top, and now we sit and wait and hopeful for 2022 yeah fingers crossed we get to see more baseball in 2022 the Braves are an unbelievable story I mean this is 2011 Cardinals 06 Cardinals-esque because they were not a great team for much of the season in fact they were a below average team for most of the year they didn't go above 500 I think until August 6th and now they are World Series champions and one thing that I do love about all, all of this is we're going to hear so much today, tomorrow, over the next week or so as we kind of break this thing down about their trade deadline acquisitions. What I don't think we focus enough on is how quickly and urgently their front office acted upon those. You had Ronald Acuna Jr. go down and immediately thereafter they acquired Jock Peterson. That was like within the next five days. And then two weeks later they go out and get three other outfielders. They decided, you know what, we can't replace Ronald Acuna Jr. with one guy. Let's go get four and let's see where this all shakes out. And they were able to do so. And it's just, it's it's an incredible feat for that front office. They deserve a ton of credit for not punting on the season. But I would also add this, Dan, they did so at a low cost. Right. They didn't pay a lot to go get those guys and they ended up being able to turn some some players that were struggling and they got them back on track and then they rode them all the way to the World Series. So there are so many lessons to be learned from the Braves. Uh, don't give up on your season too early. If you go for it, it can pay off for you. You don't have to just sell the farm every chance that you get. Your season is not over when one or two guys go down for you. There's a bunch of lessons to be learned and I hope that a lot of teams across baseball are paying attention 
attention to this today. You're right, and, and there's a lot to, to dive into with what you just said. For instance, Jorge Soler hitting the home run last night, comes over from Kansas City, had been struggling prior to the deal. Now, my understanding was in talking with some people with the Kansas City Royals, when they decided to trade Soler, who's a free agent-to-be, is that there was like a week or two prior to that deal, they said he was starting to figure it out. His at-bat last night, something was going to get hit hard. Now, if it went into the glove of somebody, so be it. That happens. The that's baseball. The ball would have caught them, not the other yes. way around. <laughs> he was dialed in to hit a rocket, and you had Freeman on deck. You had two runners on. You're going 3-2. He's trying slider. He tried fastball. He hit one at 96 that he pulls down the third base line and almost it would have killed a fan if they were sitting there. I mean, he was locked in, and you could see no matter what was going to be thrown to him, he was going to hit it hard. And lo and behold, he hit it over the tracks. It was a little Pujols esque yeah. for those of us uh, that saw that in Brad St. Lynch Louis. Was trending last night on Twitter. I saw that. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, so Soler is a free agent to be. Eddie Rosario, free agent to be. He wins the MVP of the NLCS. Jock Peterson, free agent to be. They don't get to the NLCS without his two home runs hit against uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. So the, the deals that they made, Alex Anthopoulos um, deserves all the credit. Maybe he's your MVP. And a lot of the talk, rightfully so, should be on the loss of Acuna. But you cannot forget Marcelo Zuna losing him. You can't forget about Mike Soroka. That's a frontline starter. So there was a patchwork that they had to do uh, with the rotation here in the postseason. And I thought Max Fried made the adjustment of... The World Series last night. He was amazing last night. Did you notice, I think there was like 17 or 16 called strikes or something like that from Freed. And so what I went back and watched was his previous start, which was a lot of off-speed, a lot of breaking balls. Of course balls. you did, Dan. Well, you got <laughs> to figure out what's going on here. And so last night, he's pumping in strikes with the fastball, you know, and he threw a cutter here or there. But then it was like two or three innings in. And all of a sudden, whoop, there's the curveball. So you could see the guys were really kind of in between because they didn't make the adjustment against him as he made the adjustment from the previous start. I think they were thinking that he was going to be a different guy, and he made the adjustment, and he was efficient. And I'll say this, too. The play in the first inning changed everything, too. When he's stepped on and it's two on, nobody out, the place is rocking, and he gets out of that inning. Don't tell me there's not momentum in baseball. That was a momentum-shifting inning. And give Max Fried all the credit in the world. He was great. Final line, six innings, four hits, no runs, no walks, strikes out six. And they win the World Series. Yeah, he was the guy that ended up winning it for him, and it did end up taking pitching. I texted Tanner this last night. In the end, pitching did matter in the series. For sure. And you look at the difference between the Astros and the Braves. The, the Braves were just able to get two of those big starts out of their starters, the one from Ian Anderson over the weekend where he had the no-hitter, and then uh, last night you get a great start as well. That's really the difference. Like Those mm-hmm. are the swing games in this series because the Astros just – and whether you want to give credit to the starter or if you want to discredit the Astros, I think you give credit to the starters. But the Astros just didn't hit down didn't. the stretch, and no. it was strange. I, I don't. I I honestly couldn't even really Especially comprehend what I was watching at times. Right-handed pitching. It was weird. They were just shut down to well below a 200 clip average-wise. OPS was way down. Um, yeah, I they they just did not hit. That's why I felt you know we were talking about what do you think going into this, and I said hey. I like the Braves because of their pitching. You know, they were yep. rested, but my concern was a lefty against that lineup. And sure enough, he shut him down. But you're right, Correa, 
uh, Alvarez, Alvarez was awful. The, one the hit, final two stretch hits, of this game, whatever it was, the series. Yeah, I, it just they just didn't hit. Altuve provided some pop, but that was about it. And that was the the story of this thing is that pitching in the end like it always does, wins out. And Tanner tells us all the time, it's all about the slug, right? It's all about slugging percentage in baseball nowadays, especially in the postseason. And oh. you look back and you look at the, the theme of the playoffs. Hit a home run. Hit home runs or lose. Yep. Like that, yep. that was the story. 25-2 and two when you out-homered your opponent. That was the final record in the postseason. So uh, lesson for the Cardinals moving forward. you got to make sure you've got that pop, or at least the potential for it. And if you've got that, as we learned this year, and it's been the case now for a while, it's about five years running where if you out-homer your opponent, chances are you're probably going to find a way to win that game and ultimately win the series. How cool is it? Brian Snitker is 66. Dusty Baker is in his 70s to have those two guys going head-to-head. And Dusty Baker congratulated everyone involved with the World Series after the game. First, I'd like to, above all, just say congratulations to Brian Snitker and the, and the Braves and, and the town of Atlanta. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. But you know something, you gotta, you know, you gotta keep on, um, keep on trucking that, and that gives you even more incentive uh, next year. Uh, it's tough to take now, but um, you know, this too shall pass. It, I mean, it really hurts, but it's over. Jim Crane is the owner of the Astros. Uh, apparently, after the game last night, he was saying that he did want to approach Dusty Baker uh, with either another extension for a year or two to bring him back. It'll be a different team. They have a lot coming off the books. I mean, a lot. Grinky, Verlander, Correa, you would have to assume, is not coming back. There are some others. So they can do some damage. They can do some things that uh, they want to have a little fun with, and uh, we'll see if they do. But on the other side, it's Brian Snicker, and Brian Snicker is now a world champion, and he matches Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox went to all those World Series, won one, and Brian Snicker has done that as well. It's awesome. It's 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 awesome. It's a great feeling. You know, you can, you work so hard and, and give up so much, and these guys this year, especially, um, to do what they did is just unbelievable. To my, you know, just how they hung in there and just can you know stayed after it you know like i just keep seeing the 111 days or something before we got over 500 that's this is amazing that we're in this position right now with what all these guys went through um that's what i'm so proud of and the organization and alex and his team and everybody up top i mean it's uh this is a this is a team uh, a team celebration very easily, if you're a guy like Brian Snicker and you've been in the organization for 40-plus years, what is it, 44, 45, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, and I say this all the time, BK, is that the game has changed more in the last five years than it has over his last 45. And he made the adjustment, and he knew a lot of these guys. He managed a lot of these players coming through. How gratifying that must be to to be that guy that watched Bobby Cox win all those years and realize it's going to be very tough to get that job. As long as Bobby's there, he's going to be the manager. So do I stay in the organization? Do I go somewhere else? Is is my life path in baseball to be in the minor leagues? Which is fine. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to answer that question as an individual. And so for him to be on all those bus rides all those years, those long, long nights of bad baseball, and there's some bad baseball in the minor leagues, and trying to teach the game and then to have that happen and to be able to make the adjustments of what he did with modern analytics and with old school baseball. Um, And he's a good guy, by the way. 
that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm really, I'm just thrilled for him. Yeah, the Braves are a lesson in perseverance in so many different ways. I mean, Freddie Freeman finally getting his, the team as a whole waiting, 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 and then finally busting out in August and September. Uh, Snitker having to wait 40 plus years to be able to get his chance. I mean, so many different angles from that team were all about them persevering through difficult and I would imagine at times exhausting moments to finally get to the ultimate prize. And you mentioned how how uh, Snitker is not just old school, because I think that sometimes we look at the age and we're like, oh, that's an old school manager. No, he did a lot of new school things this year. You look at what they did, and we've talked about this, Dan, with the shifting defensively. They went from one of the teams that was very old school defensively. They did not shift at all to one of the leading teams in all of baseball. I think they ended up leading the sport in shifting over the last like five months, and they became one of the, the sport's best defensive teams in doing so. So this was not just an old school team they were new school in a lot of ways but also they did lean on some old school things as well so it's a little bit of both this is not a new school or an old school story this is a story of a team that persevered through an incredibly difficult season and ultimately found a way to come out on top it's a a great baseball story in so many different ways and part of that story too is a guy that had been there from uh, day one of his major league career Freddie Freeman he's a free agent to be the final out was hit to Dansby Swan at short over to Freeman so he's got that final out ball it's hidden somewhere I think I'm gonna give it to Brian he he means so much to this organization he's put on every hat there is in this organization you know he, he was given the job in 2016 and we've delivered four division titles a world championship and now he has a he has a manager of the year too so it's a pretty good stint so far as Atlanta Braves manager for him. I would say so. And what about his future? Talking about Freddie Freeman, does he stay or go with Atlanta? Obviously, everyone knows where my heart is in this organization. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go anywhere else. This is the only uniform I've put on since 2007. I got to put it on as a Gulf Coast League Braves since 2007, and I, it means a, it means a lot to me. So, did I think I'd be sitting here? November 2nd with not an extension or a contract? No, I didn't think that. But knows where my heart is, and this organization means a lot to me. Now, that is interesting in the fact that, so we're going to have, you know, roughly three, three and a half weeks prior to the CBA officially shutting down. And there's a lot of people, and we've talked about it the last couple of days, that believe that baseball essentially is going to say, Hey, we're not going to sign players. We're not going to. It's not going to be an active free agency market leading into uh, what will be the, the the lockout on December first, second, and then you'll have once they get a deal in place, this just free for all for two weeks right before spring training begins. Um, if you're the Atlanta Braves, though. That's a different case in story. It, it isn't like the Cardinals saying, well, we have interest in Jock Peterson or Justin Verlander or Zach, uh, Zach Rinke, and we want to go take a look at him. Now, this is this is the face of your franchise. This is a potential uh, Hall of Famer. This is uh, the guy that has been your leader. And, uh, and, and now that you've won the World Series, the pressure really is on to bring him back. I'm sure at that fan base it was there anyway. But now when you win uh, with Freddie Freeman as your – middle of the lineup guy and everyday player at first base and by all accounts a a great citizen and and does everything right that you want in that uniform there's pressure to bring him back so I'm really fascinated about those that have those legacy type players what do they do you know here in the next three three and a half weeks my assumption would be let's get a deal done Uh, I'll be damned if somebody's going to tell me how to run my business but 
again, I don't know. And and that's what makes this kind of a, a really gray area right now with baseball and what to do. If I'm the Braves, this is a guy that I prioritize and I figure out how to get it done. For sure. Um, but the question is when. Yeah, I, I mean, as soon as possible, if you're the Braves, would, would be my assumption. But I, I understand that the, the business of the sport is changing and we have no idea what it's going to look like a month from now, much less three months from now, if and when they are able to get the CBA done. That being said, like I don't think regardless of what the CBA is, what whatever is in there, it doesn't change the value of a guy like Freddie Freeman. Now, the the lower rung of free agent, absolutely. If you're looking for a DH versus a fourth outfielder, I think that changes some things for especially a team like the Braves. But for Freddie Freeman, he's going to be your starting first baseman next year. And he's going to hit 300 because that's what Freddie Freeman does every single season. Dances. How much money do you think he's going to get, by the way? I was thinking about that this morning. Um, do you think like twenty five million? Are, are we looking at like a five year one twenty five mil, one hundred and twenty five million dollars type of a deal? So that would roughly be around Goldie, correct? Yeah, right it, around that that same amount. I, I would go higher years. He's thirty two next year. I understand that, but I think he's going to say I want six or seven. And if you're not going to give me I think above I'd do six, it, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And if you don't give me above Goldschmidt, I'll, I'll give me another year. But then give me twenty three to twenty five. But I AAV is where it's at, man. As you know, and that's that's a big deal. So six years, one fifty, one sixty five in that range. Yeah, range. That sounds like that. about right to me. And if I'm the Braves, I do it. I, I figure out a way to make it work. Yep. You've got Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. on well below market value deals right now. So you're able to go. Maybe it is an extra three four million dollars from what you would like to spend ideally on a guy like Freddie Freeman. You make it work because yeah. you're saving so much money on animal. that Ronald Acuna Jr. contract right. that, I mean, if you say, I think Acuna's at like 10 or $15 million annually for like the next 10 years, it's crazy what they got him at. Um, if you just say the combined value of those two players is going to be $35 million between Freeman and Acuna over the next five years, yeah, you'd sign up for that every day of the week. Yeah. So, make no, it work. I'm with you. Do you um, think he's a Hall of Famer, by the way? Obviously be, not right now. He's, he's going to be close. But. So obviously, uh, if he continues to put up the numbers that he's doing right now, let's just say he stays consistent with that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the world championship helps. I think the fact, I, to me, I put value in this day and age of free agency, and I understand this is not a numbers thing, and I don't know if you agree with it or listeners agree with it, but I put value on someone playing their entire career with one one uniform on. I, I just think that that's important. And and you just don't see it in sports. Now, I'm not sure a voter is going to look at that. The voter is going to look at the numbers and do the comparisons and understand the era that they played in. But I think there's value with that. Winning the world championship, the fact that he's been to a lot of uh, postseason uh, appearances. Um, and the bottom line is I think the numbers will probably take you to the Hall of Fame. I do. The closest comps, according to baseball references, yep. similarity scores right now are Eddie Murray, who ended up getting into the yep. Hall of Fame, and Paul Goldschmidt, because of course they are. Um, I think he's going to be. Like, if you look at what he's been for his entire career, he's just he's one of the most consistent hitters in the sport. That's what I like about him. Yeah. And so I, how, where I is that consistency that. at the very end? How exactly. ugly does it get? You know? And it gets ugly with guys sure. that are 38, 39, not all, but a lot of them, especially in the non-steroid era, you know, when a guy's not 21, when he's actually, you know, he's 39 and not playing like a 25-year-old, um, the numbers go down. I mean, bat speed decreases, power decreases, you know, you're just not the same player. But 
there's got to be something on longevity and the fact that he's been so consistent from day one. He's been incredibly consistent. Yeah, I mean, he, he just write down the numbers and he's going to get there. Him and Paul Goldschmidt for like five years now have really yep. been two of the most underrated players in the game. I think both of them eventually, if not being in the Hall of Fame, maybe they're not first ballot guys, but I think both of them are worthy of getting in at, at some point in time. Yeah, and a good defensive player, which mm-hmm. is something that you have to keep in mind as well. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. The one thing that we have to remember about this year is like when injuries happen, can you augment that with your depth? And, you know, this year we were challenged a little bit from the pitching standpoint. And uh, hopefully when we go into camp this year, we have that extra depth and um, we'll be prepared for perhaps those, you know, ups and downs a little better. That was John Mosaloc a few weeks ago here on 101 ESPN. And that's something that ties into what we saw without question last night. Um, I know that Soler gets the MVP, but maybe the MVP should go to the pitching of the Atlanta Braves in doing some numbers, you know, and BK mentioned this earlier. If you weren't paying attention to the Houston Astros, uh, you you were not paying attention to the to me their number one strength which is they were destroying teams offensively they were hitting the ball all season long they ran right through the American League Championship Series well in six games the Atlanta Braves allowed 20 runs 20 that's it they're pitching the Braves struck them out 25 percent of the time that's an incredible amount of strikeouts the Astros on balls in play by the way hit 295 so you think about a couple of double plays turned last night in Game 6. I think there's a lot of parallels to what they did pitching and defense to what the Cardinals look at with their team that they return next year, which is, BK, they, they've got tremendous defense. They've got, what, five or six guys as a finalist for the Gold yeah, Glove. Six. Yeah. They've got, and, and it's no fluke. I mean, these are legitimately good defensive players. What got the Cardinals in their position uh, to win 17 in a row and to have a chance to get into postseason play, a big part of it was great defense with a lack of walks, guys that threw strikes. So if I'm the Cardinals going into this offseason, um, to John Mosaloc's point, do I go out and get Zach Greinke at a low number? Do I go out and overpay for Max Scherzer? Do I load it up with Hap and Lester and others and just say, look, I'm throwing everything at the wall and whatever sticks, sticks. And that's how I'm doing this thing because I can't have enough pitching. Because if I get guys that throw strikes, I got a chance to win. Yeah, and the opposite was also true for the Astros. They didn't have enough guys, right? And right. They, we and saw more, it last night with Garcia. More specifically, they didn't have enough guys that can go deep because this year, all throughout the season, they took the path of, hey, we're going to have like seven guys throw about 100 innings for us. And that worked. They It got them through the regular season, and they ended up in the postseason. They ended up all the way in the World Series. And then finally, you saw it. it. It hits you, and it hits you like a ton of bricks when you find out, oh, we just don't have enough. We don't have enough starters that can get us through five. It's not like you're asking them to get through seven the way that you did 15, 20 years ago. They didn't have guys that could get them through four for most of this series. And, Dan, I love the way that Michael Bauman of the Ringer said this earlier today. So the playoffs are unpredictable, so why leave anything to chance that you don't have to? Legitimate title shots don't come around that often. Just ask the Braves, for example, and the Astros just lost one. 
on for one more good starter and a left-handed bat off of the bench. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Does that sound familiar to you? A little you? bit, yeah. Because when I think about the Cardinals, that was when you look at uh, their tombstone from the 2021 season, it was we didn't have a lefty bat and we didn't have quite enough starting pitching to get us through. Because the biggest difference between the Cardinals and the Braves is that the Braves won their division. That was it. Yep. And the Cardinals ended up winning more games than the Braves, but the Braves were lucky enough to play in the NL East. If the Cardinals had the Braves draw, I think they win last night. I think we're talking about the Cardinals winning the World Series this year as opposed to the Braves doing so. But that's not how it broke. And the Braves took advantage of their opportunities, and that's where we are today. But to bring this back to the pitching side of things, I apologize for the long-winded rant, but... That is exactly what they need to do this offseason is to make sure they don't fall prey to what the Astros just did thinking, hey, we have enough depth. It'll cover for us. You got to get quality guys at the back end of that rotation. That's what's going to be necessary. Interesting on uh, Twitter last night. I don't know if you saw this, but Adam Wainwright tweeted this out. He said, sometimes season wins and loss records can be kind of deceiving. In a division like the National League East this year, there were three very evenly matched teams and a sneaky Marlins 2020 playoff team. That was a real battle all year. Having to grind it out till the end just can, to get in can also be an advantage. I believe that, and that that then leads into when you're a wild card and you get hot at the end and you're one of the hottest teams in baseball. And I, I just think there's a lot of truth to that because for – you know, essentially four to six for some teams, two months, you're playing playoff type baseball where there is more of a premium on the wins and the losses. For instance, if you looked at the Giants and the Dodgers, they win 200 plus games apiece. They knew they were going in. Now, did you want to get in as the division champ? Of course you did, because you didn't want to have that winner take all like you had against the Cardinals that the Dodgers had to face. But I think Adam brings up a really good point. And to your point, and even Mo has talked about this, you got to win your division. Yep. And it, it's going to let you line up your pitching. And one of the things, too, that we may have to look at in the upcoming CBA, depending on if they expand playoffs or how it works, but not only do you win your division, but it allows you a day or two to catch your breath and get your starters where you want to. Now, you may have to get in on the last day of the season and you burn your, your best. But you will get him back at some point, and if you make a run, then you can line it up even better depending on what you do in the five games, seven games, so on and so forth. But it's about home field advantage, and it's about not having a bad day and saying that your season is over. And it's also about you know the fact that winning your division, it puts a premium on going out and making yourself competitive, which I know is what the Players Association is concerned about with some of these things. Well, if you just make it where everybody gets in, no one's going to have the uh, put an emphasis on going out and getting great players to be the best you can. Well, I think the Cardinals would say, yeah, we would, because we don't want to play that winner-take-all. We've got to be better. And exactly. that's something to think about. That's the thing is you, you decrease your World Series odds by 50% by playing in the yeah. wild card game. Like That was the reality for both the Cardinals and the Dodgers this year. There was basically a 50-50 chance of either of those teams advancing. And it played out that way when you have a walk-off winner for the Dodgers. So the Cardinals, by virtue of playing a one-game series, which is basically what that is, you have to win an extra round. Instead of having to win in three rounds of the postseason, you've got to win in four. And that just makes it so much more difficult for you and the other thing is you then not only are you playing in that one game scenario you're 
advantage, I guess, or the luxury is you then go get to play the best team in the sport for mm-hmm. the next round, which we saw with the Dodgers. That was exhausting for them. Yeah. They had no chance of getting to advance from the NLCS because they they had used every ounce of what they had available in them in that NLDS to advance from that to the NLCS. So it, it was just it's an incredibly difficult path to get out that way. And then you get to the NLCS and you got nothing left, especially on the pitching side of things. So add depth to the rotation. I'm 100% in favor of that. I would not go out and get Max Scherzer. It's just too much money. I think that would limit completely. I think it would actually be the only move you could make if you decide to go that route. Um, So instead of doing that, I do like more of the mid-tier starter. The guys that are signing for one year, 10 to $12 million, we've seen that market be pretty fruitful for a lot of different teams around the league in recent years. That's probably where I would attack for this team in this offseason, if we have an offseason. Yeah, good point. (laughs) As I was watching last night, um, and you just mentioned it earlier, but the fact was Houston – Kind of ran out of pitching, you know, for all these great names that they have in their lineup. And it is a loaded lineup. But when I'm watching their starter last night, who was trying to go max effort, had had increased velocity here in the postseason, but it was on short days rest, he just ran out of gas. And Dusty rolled the dice. He rolled the dice on saying, and it really, it started happening in that inning. It wasn't just the Solaire at bat. I went back and watched pitch by pitch and I was watching Albies and then I watched the the hitter before him. I can't remember who it was, but then I watched uh I guess it was no Freeman was on deck. I can't remember. But anyway, Soler and I'm watching pitch by pitch and his stuff was was starting to drop dramatically. So his velocity was dipping just slightly, but his the the tightness on his breaking ball, the sharpness on it was not there. So Dusty's saying, okay, I'm really out of guys out in that bullpen. Can I squeeze one more out? I, I'm, I'm praying he hits a rocket to somebody and we're going to be okay because he's not going to get a strikeout. He just was not going to strike out Solaire. And that was the World Series right there. So it came down to you ran out of pitching. You can't have enough pitching. Now, if how crazy would it be to think about if you're a team and you say, hey, philosophically um, – Let's sign a bunch of guys, but then when they're down in the minor league, tell my minor league guy, so Johan Oviedo, okay, who's going to get better and better and better, or Jake Woodford, or, um, you know, starter whomever. Libertor. Yeah. Curtail his innings so that by the end of the season, we have a guy that is somewhat fresh because we think we're going into postseason play and we're going to max him out, you know, when we need him. I mean, are you better off as an organization doing that? As crazy as it sounds, I mean, I, I'm listening to myself say this. I say, I can't believe I'm saying it. But then when I watch the postseason, I'm like, all these teams are out of pitching. You know, I got to go like eight or nine deep that I got to have. Now, I loved what the Cardinals had at the end of the year with their bullpen. They had six or seven guys that I would have felt comfortable in just about any role, coming in the third, the fifth, the seventh, the ninth, whatever. But I have to have others to back those guys up. I don't know how you do it, but you know you got to have pitching. You got to find it somewhere somehow, I or do, maybe you find it at the deadline. I don't know for sure. That that's a possibility as well. You got to be aggressive at the deadline. If there's any lesson to be learned from the Braves, there are probably a lot that we'll look back on and be like, "Yeah, that was just kind of a fluky thing." But the the one lesson that I do think is definitely valuable is uh, go for it. If you feel like your team's got a chance, go add the necessary talent to be able to see if that team actually did. Don't don't punt on the season. You should never punt on seasons. But in terms of the pitching, I do wonder. Dan how much of this is just them coming off of the weird shortened 2020 season as well I I think that pitching is going to be be valuable going forward there's the old uh, adage that pitching is the currency of baseball for a reason 
I, I do wonder though, in 2021, the I think previously in 2020, the the highest was like 80 innings by Lance Lynn. I wonder how much of this was just guys were fried. They had come off of a season in which part most of, it, of them threw like 60 innings, and right. now they're throwing 180, and then you get into the postseason and you're up to 200-plus innings for the first time in basically two full calendar years. I do wonder how much of it was just, whew, my body is not used to this. Right. And it, it took me a year to really recover from that, and then maybe next year will be better. I don't know, though. I, I don't know what next year is going to look like compared to this season. And I'm not sure we could say that we saw it at the beginning of the year. Now, we had some funky injuries, but I really thought it was going to – and I'm talking about just – Everybody, your second baseman, outfielder, whatever. Um, but I really thought that the the pitching was going to be something we talked about even more with the injury front. And I and maybe I'm missing something. And, and you're all over this stuff. I don't think we had as many injuries, maybe as. I thought we might have coming off the shortened season. They were definitely up, but it, it wasn't necessarily as dramatic yeah. as I was anticipating. Uh, we saw more pitcher injuries, especially early on this season with elbows That's and right. forearms and lats and backs and all that stuff, uh, soft tissue things, which was to be expected. We all thought that that was going to be the case, and it was. But I, I don't necessarily know that it was quite as dramatic down the stretch as I was expecting it to be. It was more of ramping up as opposed to the sustaining throughout the season. I think it was more just fatigue. Yeah. Guys just got tired and they didn't have their best stuff once we got into the postseason. And that's where if you had more arms capable, it was really able to shine throughout the rest of the uh, postseason. Brad Thompson, uh, part of the fast lane, talked about bringing in a veteran for the Cardinals and potentially competing for that fifth starter spot. I like the arms that they had, but I like the arms they had last year. And then what what situation? You're coming out of spring. You had two different starters that you did not expect to be in the rotation that were in your rotation. Right. And you were kind of scrambling all year. And then Jack got hurt. And by the grace of Adam Wainwright, you had a chance to to be able to, you know, get to the postseason because he took that whole team on his back and said, Boys, I got you. Well, I don't want to have put that on Adam Wainwright again this year. Yeah. So I like the arms you have, but I still want to be able to add to it. I'm yeah, I, I'm not sure you can count, uh, and I've said this now for five years, maybe ten. I'm not sure you can count on Adam Wainwright, you know, with all the mileage. And just, it's realistic, you know. He's going to be 41 next year at some point. Um, I certainly am counting on him being in my rotation. I just don't know if you can get what we've seen the last couple of years, which has just been incredible, what we've seen the last couple of years. Um but maybe you have guys that emerge in spring training. A lot of things happen in an off season. Guys go to driveline. Mm-hmm. Guys work out. Guys, you know, figure Suddenly something. Suddenly they're throwing ninety seven instead of yes. ninety four. It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? It happens. It really does. And you know, you've got some arms down there that are intriguing. I'll tell you another guy that was really good yesterday was Zach Thompson in the Arizona Fall League. That's another one. Um, so they do have some arms that are intriguing, but do I want to count on guys that are unproven in the major leagues? Really is the question I think the Cardinals are facing right now, which last year they 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 went with what they had. You had Gant in the rotation. You thought Carlos Martinez would be okay. Uh, you weren't sure with Wainwright. He was sensational. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those years that was really, really strange. I don't want to bank on it. I, I want to see those guys next year, but not because it's necessary on day one. I want to see them win, okay, 
the third starter for the pitchers or for the Cardinals is unavailable for the next week. And so, Johan Oviedo, come on up. Let's see what you've got for one or two starts. And then you, you make it work that way. But I would like to see them go out there and get at least one veteran starter. Dan, can I throw one name at you real quick? So we talked about this yesterday on BK and Ferrario. The guy that I love as a target in trade for the Cardinals would be Sean Manaya. He's a lefty from the Oakland A's. He's thrown consistently about 160 innings. He did have a really bad injury-riddled year in 2019. Since then, though, he's been very good for the A's. I don't know what the package is going to look like. He's got one year left in arbitration. It's about $10 million is what he's expected to earn next year. If they're interested in Paul DeYoung and maybe throw one of those young arms into a deal with uh, with DeYoung, that would be the type of player that I'd be looking to acquire via trade this offseason. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac Show on a Wednesday as we continue and wrap it up with our final segment. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac again. The world champion Atlanta Braves will be celebrating uh, from, well, last night, this morning. Matter of fact, Chip Carey was celebrating a lot, I understand, so he's going to be our guest uh, coming up tomorrow, so we'll visit with the Voice of the Braves, which I'm looking forward to. Always fun to visit with uh, with Chip, so he'll be our guest tomorrow, and we'll talk about what it's like in Atlanta. I mean, I'm sure they're planning the parade right now and the celebration, which is always the great part about it, and I, I was thinking about the Nationals winning in 2019 and never really had a celebration, didn't have the 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 parade, they... they you know, they got the rings, but it wasn't done in a ceremony in front of the fans and the things that you do as an organization when you uh, have that kind of thing. The replica rings, the celebration. Oh, it's a banner giveaway. Oh, it's uh, Max Scherzer bobble. You know, all the stuff that goes along with it. So the Braves will enjoy that next year. And uh, it's a great moment for the city of Atlanta because it, it was funny. I got friends in Atlanta and I said, when Solaire hit the home run, I texted a couple of them. And both of them responded with not anything else other than twenty-eight to three. Yep. I mean, they were just ready for the shoe to drop. You know, like the worst thing to happen. And um, they were referencing obviously when the uh, the Falcons were leading the Patriots twenty-eight to three. But it never dropped. They get the home run and they tacked on runs. And again, the freed first inning getting out of that jam was just massive. Astros didn't have their pitching enough, deep enough, and uh, Atlanta wins this uh, World Series. And what's so interesting about this, Dan, ironic in so many different ways, is that this was not one of the best Braves teams in the last 25 years. And yet this is the one that won the World Series. And it does go back to that 2019 Nationals team. Like, you've got to have a trump card. And that's that's one of the lessons from the playoffs is whether you're winning with defense or with your bullpen or with your starting pitching as 2019 the Nationals did or this year with the outfield that the Braves were able to put together and the home runs that they were just uh, demolishing throughout the postseason. you got to have one thing that you can really hang your hat on at any point in time in any series – and that's what the Braves had. They, they had guys that could just mash. Yeah. And so going into next year, I know that we're going to probably for throughout the entire offseason talk about, hey, what can the Cardinals learn from the teams that were able to get further than they did? Whether it be their defense that they're just leaning even more heavily into, or if it's the pitching that they're throwing more strikes than any other team in the sport, uh, or if it's, hey, we've got these corner infielders that are really damn good, and oh, by the way, we got some corner outfielders that are about to take even another step next year. Whatever it is, whatever the identity of the Cardinals is, they've got to be able to lean on that as well in the postseason, and that's been the issue in the last few years. Even when that identity has been developed throughout the regular season, 
it seems to disappear in yeah. the po- in the playoffs. They got to be able to maintain it once they get into postseason play. Did you enjoy the postseason? Did did it live up to expectations for you? It, for me, the, it did. I thought it was great. The game was amazing, obviously. Yeah. Wish it would have been a different result, but it was an amazing game here in St. Louis. Um, I, I thought the NLDS with the Dodgers and the Giants was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I thought the World Series was just okay. And I, I wasn't... I wasn't captured uh, the way that I have been in years past. And I don't know why that is, Dan. I don't have a good explanation for you as to what specifically it was about it that just didn't didn't really do it for me. But I, I maybe it was the Braves. I just, I never, I, I think this is on me more than it is the Braves or the sport or anything like that. I just never really bought into them being this team of destiny. And then in the end, it was yeah. too late for me to really do so by the time that they were parading around with the confetti falling as them being the World Series champions. I enjoyed it. Um I think it taught you some things like we were talking about in this show. So cliche, but man, you can't have enough pitching. Yep. Um, big fan of Freddie Freeman, so seeing him win a championship. Big fran- a fan of, of Brian Snicker. I'm a huge fan of Dusty Baker. Been around him before and uh, been at dinners with it. He's great. I mean, I, I really wanted to see him win. Um, so for either manager that won, I thought that would have been cool. But for the city of Atlanta, I think it's great. Um, because they've suffered a lot through not winning. Cha- I mean, they won all those division titles and had one championship. Like, to your point, they had so many good teams. When you had Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, you're telling me you can't win more than one? And then they would supplement it with, you know, Avery and, and all these different guys that were big-time starters and, and guys that would be number ones on other teams, and they still didn't win. Um, and Chipper Jones only has one. You know, I mean, they had Hall of Famers on those teams. So... It, it, what it showed me, and if you look at what's going on now, you've had the Yankees dynasty in the late 90s, early 2000s, and there's not a dynasty going on right now. That's a good thing for the sport, is that it's the Atlanta Braves, it's the Washington Nationals, Dodgers win their first since 1988. Um, now you're, Cubs, you, Royals, you, I mean, you go back, exactly. it's like, really, these are the teams that are doing it? And it's Houston. The parody in, in Major League Baseball is as good as it is in any sport across. Now, the- you, you are, well, you are going to have your regulars. Like, sure. You, you can the guarantee Dodgers, the, the Astros, they've been there seemingly every year. The it's Yankees, just other teams that are also adding one in. That's right. And so we're finding out, though, that it's a crapshoot once you get in. And that's the beauty of it. I, and there's not one dominant team that I go, I would have said the Dodgers, but they weren't at the end. Um, ran out of pitching. They just. You know, they used Scherzer to close game out, uh, game five against the Giants, and wasn't the same after that. It's, it, you know, so how do you want to use these guys in such a high pressurized situation to try to win the, win the battle or survive the battle to say, I can win the war? And that's what the Braves were able to do. Yeah. And in the end, they get to laugh at all of us who doubted <laughs> them all year long, including myself as the World Series champions. It, it really is a great story, even if it didn't captivate captivate me throughout the latter stages of the postseason. Let's cross it over. You've got Alex coming up three more hours. We've got Blues hockey coming up tonight. Blues begin and kick off a four game road trip and COVID again has hit the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, we're going to talk about that with Chris Kerber coming up at one thirty. I want to get Alex's thoughts on where the Blues are at right now, because Dan, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't really have a lot of questions about this team right now. I I expected to have a lot of questions about them. I really don't. They're just really good. So as of today, what is the biggest question that you have for the Blues over the next few weeks, months? We'll talk about that coming up with Alex Ferrario from 11 to 2 here on 101 ESPN. So if you had one question, what would it be? For me, I still... 
I'm curious how the top Ford in the defense That's ends mine. up playing the rest of the season. That's mine. Scandella has been better than I expected yep. early on. Is that sustainable? That's probably my single biggest question, and that plays back into the Vladdy factor of, so is, is Vladimir Tarasenko going to be here for the long haul? Or if that does start to wane on the back end, do you consider moving Vladdy for a top four defenseman? All right, that's BK. I'm Danny Mack, and that is Tanner right over there in three more hours coming up with BK and Alex on 101 ESPN. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Peloton, let's go! This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.